in our gospel reading for this morning, as it has uh, throughout this season of Easter, comes from John's gospel, chapter 17. And this is a continuing part of Jesus's um, discourse and instruction and prayer for his disciples um, on the night in which he was betrayed. Um, so the gospel reads, after Jesus had spoken these words to his disciples, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I've made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them and they have received them. And I know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf, I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, my daughter Ellie turns 17 today, and so we uh, gave her the morning off here from church uh, and let her sleep in, and my wife Jetty is doing our YouTube chat and tech support this morning. Um, it's hard to believe that our oldest is 17. But um, this week, we've been doing a lot of reminiscing about when Ellie was born and when she was a baby, we'll be doing more of that later today as we celebrate her birthday. And I remember that when Ellie was born, Jenny's mom, Kathy, came down from Ottawa to stay with us in Boston for the first three weeks of Ellie's life. And during those three weeks, she tended to us in every way. She cooked, she cleaned our tiny apartment, she insisted that we take naps, she reassured us, gave us advice when we asked for it, and sometimes before we even had to ask. As new parents, it was so comforting to have somebody there who had been through it all before. It was a great, great gift, but then she left. She went home, and I will never forget that day. Uh, I had loaded Kathy's luggage into the car, and I was about to drive her to the airport. And the three of us were standing at our front door of our small apartment saying our goodbyes and Jenny started to cry and cry and cry and cry. And they were tears of gratitude and love, but mostly they were tears of uncertainty. Her tears said, what do I do now? I've got this baby. How will I know what to do with her? And Jenny and her mom stood there in the doorway of our apartment embracing each other and then they were both crying. And then I was crying. 
It was a precious moment between mother and daughter, between mother and new mother, and I'll never forget it. And the good news is that we've managed to keep Ellie alive for 17 years, so <laughs> we're, we're doing okay. Um, but I think about that day when I read this morning's lessons, which are about times when Jesus left his disciples. The gospel reading from John is just before Jesus is crucified. And the first reading from Acts is just before Jesus ascends back into heaven, which marks the end of this Easter season in the church. And I can imagine in those moments at the crucifixion and the ascension, the disciples cried and that they asked the same question that Jenny asked that day. Who will guide us now? How will we do this? We've got this little group of believers, but what are we supposed to do with them? Don't leave us now. And they're the same questions the church has always asked. We've got these, this church, these people. What are we to do now? How do we make it work? How do we follow you? And how are we faithful to you now? But as Jesus takes his leave, he doesn't give his disciples a bunch of advice on what to do next. Instead, in the gospel, Jesus leaves them with a prayer, a prayer prayed to God by Jesus for his disciples and for us. It is a prayer for unity with God and one another. Jesus prays, Father, all mine are yours and yours are mine. May they be one as we are one. And Jesus lets them overhear this prayer. And if prayer communicates our deepest desires to God, then Jesus' deepest desires for his disciples before he left them was that they might know the unity and intimacy that he enjoyed with God. It is his final gift to his disciples before he leaves them. Think of that day Kathy went home and the three of us standing at the apartment door. And I think of the bond between Kathy and Jenny and the bond that was developing between Jenny and Ellie who was just three weeks old at the time. And as I look back, I think Kathy's own tears and their embrace were saying, be one as we are one. Love and bond with your little girl as I bonded and loved you. Hold her and rock her and kiss her like I held you. Let her sleep on your chest and feel your hearts beat together. Do that. Be one and everything will take care of itself. Just love her like you've loved, never loved anything else or anyone before, and it'll be okay. Be one as we are one. Jesus, John tells us that there's the same kind of beautiful, intimate relationship between Jesus and the Father. For we hear at the beginning of John's gospel that in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. They were together before the creation of the world, and they created the world together. And at his baptism, the sky opened, and God declared Jesus to be my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. In his earthly life, Jesus talked to God constantly, often seeking a quiet spot away from the disciples and the crowds just to be in God's presence. Jesus and God were one from the beginning of time, from the time before time, and nothing could ever separate them. And that is what Jesus wanted for his disciples. And that is what Jesus wants for us. 
Jesus prays, may they be one as we are one. May they be one heart and one mind as we are one heart and one mind. Jesus says, though I go to the cross, though I ascend into heaven, though you can't see me, I am as close as your own heartbeat. And nothing can change that. Nothing can separate us, for we are one. And this matters so much in these days. This is how we get through. This is how we find our way. This is how we are the church. Hearts of different sizes and ages and strengths beating together right alongside the heartbeat of God. This is what binds us. This is what holds us together, although we are distanced from one another. Although we are not physically together, we are together in every way that matters, in ways that transcend and defy our circumstances. As Paul told the Romans, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation, even a pandemic, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, later on today, this afternoon, um, I'm going to be performing a wedding for Matt Merritt and his fiance Katie. And it's going to be outside with 10 people or less distance with mass, all the precautions taken. This day today, May 24th, was supposed to be their big wedding day with a big, beautiful setting and party to follow. And that will all happen at some point. But they still wanted to get married today, their wedding day. And so they will. And I've been looking forward to this day for weeks because it is a day and a moment that reminds us that love always prevails. Today, in the face of this pandemic, this challenging time, they will join their two lives together and become one. It is such a moment of hope, a reminder of the power of love, and that it is through love that we will make our way through this time together. This is not the end, Jesus says to the disciples before he ascends back into heaven. This is only the beginning. But what do they do? What do we do now? The disciples ask. Be one with one another. Be one with the world. Be one as we are one. Love God. Love each other and love your neighbors as yourselves. Do this and we will find our way. Amen. So a lot of our reading is about being one and staying connected to, to God, to our loved ones, to our neighbors, to the needs of the world. And uh, I was going to open it up and ask uh, Pastor G and Lindsay, uh, what are the ways that you are staying connected, whether to God or to others, or um, maybe you're feeling less connected. Like some of us feel more and less connected depending on sometimes on the day. Um, and so maybe also, and so either that or how are you longing for connection in this time? So how are you finding that? 
So um, Pastor Keith said my name first, so I'll go first. And um, my thoughts are going in a lot of directions. So this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. And um, I have a friend for whom Memorial Day weekend is always a bit troubling, and here's why. Because, um, because he is someone who lost friends um, in a war. And so when Memorial Day weekend comes up, that's what's on his mind. He wants to remember those people. He wants, and he always says, we shouldn't be saying happy Memorial Day. This is a day of remembering those we've lost because of conflicts, because of war, because of divisions. Um, so I'm gonna put that right here in this pile. And then I'm gonna say, this particular Memorial Day, we're also aware that this has become a tradition in our, um, in our country, that this is like the gateway to summer. And so this is the weekend, right? Where people get together, where they gather, where there are picnics and beach trips and all of these things. So here we are. And in, in both of those, um, there's longing, isn't there? Because this year, hopefully, people are holding back from all those celebrations and needing to connect in different ways. And maybe that's kind of bringing to the forefront this meaning of the day as longing for connection for those we've lost. So as I was listening to you, Keith, and, um, and thinking about those very profound ways that, that our memories connect us, um, I think, what, what is it this weekend that we can hold on to in today's readings that in this place where memory is longing, either in the Memorial Day commemoration that says people have been lost through death and conflict and warfare, or in this place where we are longing because this holiday, which has connected us so profoundly in the past, can no longer do that. How do we, how do we move through this in this time? And so what struck me about what you said is when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he doesn't give them advice. He prays for them. How, there it is, right? Because I don't know about you, but part of how I'm staying connected right now is on Zoom meetings, but also I'm probably spending a little bit more time on social media, trying to stay connected with friends and family through Facebook and Instagram. And there's a lot of advice out there, isn't there? There's a lot of advice about how people should and shouldn't be living right now, what they should and shouldn't be doing, who they should and shouldn't be connected to. I mean, there's, it's all out there and it's making people feel um, anxious and, um, and wondering what they should be. So maybe, maybe this is a weekend for prayer. A little less advice, a little more prayer. And that be the place of, of our 
connection with one another. Um, I don't think that answered the question that you just asked, Keith, but it's, but it's what kind of came to my heart as you were preaching. Um, connections are different and harder. And maybe the way we stay connected is first by praying for each other and then coming to a place where, where we have um, those sacred moments with each other. Yeah, I think, I think about praying for each other and I think about, um, so this ring that I was wearing um, is my grandma's, I want to say 15th wedding anniversary gift, like given to her by my grandfather. Um, and he, I never got to meet that grandfather. He passed away before I was born and my grandma gave this to me um, actually just a couple months ago and just was like, I don't know, I thought maybe you'd like it, like a fun keepsake. Um, and I've been wearing it most days. Um, and I don't wear a ton of rings. And oftentimes I'll be wearing uh, my sweatpants because there's a pandemic going on in case you hadn't heard. And like an old t-shirt. And then I'll put this ring on and kind of play with it. And I think one of the ways I'm staying connected to my family right now with, you know, grandma who doesn't do FaceTime, um, who I can email and I can snail mail. And for some reason, when I call her, she's always on a walk, um, is through sort of this legacy of, of love that exists in this ring about a couple that I, I didn't even witness, right? There's this like legacy of love in my family between my grandma and my grandpa that I've heard a lot about and I I didn't know. And I think there's something to this time of trusting, trusting a connection that's sort of beyond my physical understanding. Um, because when I wear this ring, I feel connected to, yes, my grandma, but also my grandpa um, because he gave this ring to her. And so I think I'm finding new ways of connection that have always been there um, that I hadn't been noticing before this time. Um, and staying connected has become more of an exercise of trust for me, right? Like there's trust that in like playing with this ring, I am connected to my family that I don't get to hug right now. Um, likewise, I think my connection to God has it's become this exercise for me of just like saying the things I didn't used to realize I thought. So when we were, you know, welcoming people earlier, I said to Pastor G, maybe, I don't know if Keith was there at that point, like I miss having a roommate and being able to share my coffee with someone. And I've noticed during the pandemic that I've just started like saying things out loud and laughing out loud without anyone in the room. Um, and just sort of following these impulses more. And that has included more like gratitude to God and more like frustration to God than it used to. Um, so when really good things happen, I just like say thank you to no one in particular, but really like to God and to the Holy Spirit and to 
um, the ways God is, God is moving in my life. Um, likewise, like when there was a week when I broke like every glass thing in my house <laughs> for like no apparent reason, <laughs> some of the things I wasn't even touching when they broke, like it, there was this like raw frustration that we read about in the Psalms that maybe oftentimes when there are people around, I sort of dampen down, right? You don't want to be the girl who gets mad because a cup broke, but it's really frustrating when all your cups break. Um, and so I think connection to God in this time for me has just become, and to my friends and family, has become no longer filtering myself, right? It's become this trust that like, if I say thank you, God hears it and I don't need to put fancy words around it. And if I hold a memento that I have of my family, no matter how silly I might feel wearing a fancy ring and sweatpants, like I'm connected to them. And I trust that the love that has brought me to this place in my life is still there, even if I don't get to share it in the way that I want to. So that's how I've been staying connected this week. Well, this time, not this week. Thank you both so much. It's really, it really helps to hear different perspectives on how we're all kind of working our way through this time. Um, Debbie D. Batista shared a, a, a devotion at council a couple months ago that was a, something that's kind of been floating around. You could find it online. It says, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. We're all experiencing it quite differently. Um, and so having some different perspectives on how we manage this time together, I think is helpful because there's no one way to do it and there's no right way to do it either. So thank you both.